informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome into AOA, Agriculture of America, here for another episode of the program brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesels like Cenex Roadmaster XL and Cenex Ruby Fieldmaster. Everyday products powered locally by Cenex. Great to be with you. Got the coffee cup full and flowing and ready for a lot of uh, great conversations on today's show. We're going to talk about the uh, farmland values and the real estate market in just a moment with Paul Shadegg from Farmers National Company. Coming up in segment two, we'll talk with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley and get an update on uh, where the farm bill stands, a new farm bill that is, now that we've got the extension of the 2018 farm bill and a few other issues that um, Senator Grassley is working on on Capitol Hill. We're going to talk to him about that. In segment three, after the bottom of the hour, we'll talk with the president of RCAF, Brett Kenzie. A lot of discussion about uh, the Paraguayan beef issue and other issues impacting the cattle industry. And uh, we'll be talking with Brett coming up later in the show. And then in segment four today, we're going to listen back to a conversation I had at the NAFB convention with Andrew Bailey from the National Pork Producers Council. So a lot to get to here on today's program. But first up again, let's talk about the uh, farmland values we're seeing out there across the country and talk about the farm real estate market and more. Paul Shadegg is with us from Farmers National Company, Senior Vice President of Real Estate Operations. And Paul, it's great to have you back on AOA with us. Hope you're doing well. I am, Jesse, and I appreciate you having me back. Well, I keep seeing a lot of the headlines, a lot of these record farmland sales in Iowa and Illinois, Missouri, et cetera, seeing big ones in the Dakotas too, and just a continued environment where we're seeing a lot of money being spent on on farmland, good quality farmland out there here across the country this year. And that, of course, amid a high interest rate environment and more, uh, Paul, just talk about kind of overall how things stand here as we near the end of the year in terms of farmland values in the real estate market. Yeah, Jesse, when we look at the results that we're seeing across the Midwest primarily, you know, when you're talking Iowa, eastern Nebraska, Illinois, Indiana, um, the one word to describe it is resiliency. And, uh, you know, the especially for high quality land. And, and of course, the the higher sales definitely get the press, but but overall, we're seeing a very strong land market continuing. We are seeing on the backside of that, we're seeing some uh, some farms that are are struggling to meet reserves at auctions that have any kind of issues, drainage issues, uh, drought areas, things like that. That those those farms are definitely being discounted a little bit, but but overall. Um, a very strong land market in spite of those things that you mentioned with interest rates. You know, we've had some pretty good uh, declining commodity markets. And uh, and that that is what I, I've said the last couple of years, that that has been a primary driver. And it has not had the effect yet. And, and we'll probably see it if, if it continues into the first of the year. That's a great point you bring up. I know there's uh, been reports in recent days about net farm incomes being lower and uh, from USDA has uh, brought out those details. And so to your point about the markets and, and more kind of driving things, you know, with net farm income, maybe moving a little lower, still at high levels, though, that's a great point you raise as we head into next year. You know, could that possibly slow down some of the farmland buying, Paul? Yeah, I think we have to look at that with our eyes wide open. Uh, you know, the the Kansas City Fed put out their uh, their banking report for the third quarter, and and one thing that I watch there is where are producers at in the their equity position, and that has narrowed over the last twelve months quite a bit, and and we continue to see that narrow, and then also an increase in lending, and what that has shown us is that. You know, these these operators have been using a lot of cash to buy land, to make capital improvements and, and use it for operating. And we're starting to see them go to the bank more often. And what that does is that will eventually affect net farm income because that's just another expense of interest that they have to incur. And so uh, definitely something that, that we want to look at. But when we look at the overall ag economy is still pretty strong. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, that that word resiliency, it, it sometimes it amazes me that uh, that some of these land values are staying as strong as they are. As producers are maybe looking at land sales coming up here before the end of the year or the early part of next year, they're having simultaneously those conversations with their bankers and more and looking at their overall bottom line. Paul, what would you say to folks? What are some things they need to keep in mind here as they're looking at the ag real estate market the next couple of months ahead? Yeah, it, it's very active. We went through a, kind of a slow period in the summer, uh, and then August started to ramp up, and we started to see some pretty good sales. We had a record uh, year or a record month in September and October, and our November we're just closing out right now, but it also was very strong. Pretty typical to what we would see on average, or, or actually a little above average. But when uh, buyers that are out there looking to buy land, there's going to be some limited amounts of listings to choose from. And then from the seller's side, you know, we've had a lot of sellers that said, well, I really want to sell at this at these record values. And then they talk to their accountant and and decide what they're going to have to pay in capital gains tax. And there are some of those that have decided, you know, I think I'll hang on to this land (laughs) instead of selling it and paying the tax. And so there's there's a couple different uh, ways to look at things and uh, from the buyer and the, and the seller's standpoint as we get to the end of the year. And I know too, uh, part of, you know, we get to the end of the year tax season, but also a lot of farm transitions can happen around this time of year. And I know that's another piece of this land puzzle, so to speak as well, Paul. Yeah, absolutely, Jesse. That that generational transfer of wealth or generational transfer of land, however you want to look at it, uh, it, it is definitely happening. And the, the uh, neat part about that process that I've experienced here in the last couple of years is that we've had a lot of those individuals that were didn't have a strong attachment to the farm. Maybe it was their grandparents' farm. And we're seeing some of that kind of come back. There's some of them, there, there are some individuals that have decided that, you know, land has been a very good asset to own over the last 25 years. And, you know, even though interest rates are high and the stock market is not all that great, they, they look at uh, how land can be an, a good asset to own and they have a little bit of attachment there and, and they're hanging on to it. And that is, that's kind of helping drive this limited supply that's available. Well, Paul, I know you guys have a lot of great resources available, a lot of folks who can help answer questions too. And I know farmersnational.com, a great place to start to find more information, isn't it, Paul? Yes, it is. Uh, you know, we've, we've continually over the last 12 months made enhancements to the, to the website and uh, we're, we're almost where we want it to be. And, and yeah, a great resource to see what's coming up for sale, what has sold. And uh, have some, we have some good commentary on there from uh, different individuals throughout our company talking about land values and some of this transition that we're going to see. FarmersNational.com with that Paul Shadegg, Senior Vice President of Real Estate Operations with Farmers National Company. Thanks for joining us today on AOA. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jesse. All right, coming up next on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. We'll talk with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley on the way right after the break. Corn is native to the American continents and was unknown to the rest of humanity until Columbus arrived in the New World in the 15th century. It took less than 100 years after Columbus's discovery for corn to be introduced to farmers in Asia, Africa, Europe, and the Pacific Islands. After wheat and rice, corn is the third most cultivated crop in the world. The four nations that purchase the most corn from the United States are Mexico and Colombia, who use it as a food ingredient, and Japan and South Korea, who buy it mainly for animal feed. Around one-third of the corn grown in the United States is eaten by livestock, another third is used in the production of ethanol fuel, and the rest is either consumed by humans, exported to other nations, or used industrially. Now that's sweet corn, that's the variety that most Americans grill or boil for cookouts or just eat straight out of a can with a spoon, accounts for just 1% of all corn grown in the United States. These Farm Facts brought to you by the American Ag Network.
Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free, and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. Hi, I'm news correspondent Bob Woodruff. In 2006, a roadside bomb struck the armored vehicle I was riding in while reporting from Iraq. I sustained a life-threatening traumatic brain injury. The military term, got your six, means I have your back. And that day, our service members had mine. During my recovery, I learned firsthand the challenges facing our service members who return home with injuries. While serving, their fellow service members always had their six. Now that they're home, it is our turn. We started the Bob Woodruff Foundation to make sure that the camaraderie and support they relied on in the military carries on, and we need you. Please join us as part of the Got Your Six initiative and help us be there for impacted veteran service members and their families. They've had our backs. It's time we have theirs. Learn more at gotyoursix.org. That's gotyoursix.org. Using the number six. Information America's farmers and ranchers need, AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, a diesel that doesn't mess around. And joining us now on AOA, pleased to have a conversation with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. It's Senator Great to have you back on the program. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Busy on Capitol Hill ahead of the Christmas recess. Let's start with the Farm Bill. I know we passed an extension of the 2018 Farm Bill a few weeks ago, and both the Senate and the House continue to work on a new five-year Farm Bill. Is there any update you could share for us in terms of the work ongoing to get a new five-year Farm Bill done? No update except to make a declaration that I've said for the last uh, couple weeks. If we don't get a new farm bill done by the time we have the national conventions for the president's selections by the Republican Democrats, we won't get a five-year farm bill next year. So let's hope that when we get back here, the Ag Committee start working on getting a farm bill out and pushing real hard to get the job done because farmers are better off with a five-year farm bill and the certainty that comes with it than these one-year's extensions. For instance, the one-year extension that we had for 2024 uh, doesn't update reference pricing at all, so farmers aren't getting any uh, additional help uh, or protection, I should say, because it's, uh, it's not help unless prices are real low. So additional protection because of the increased cost of chemicals, fertilizer, seed, diesel, and interest rates. And uh, we should have that in, but uh, it'll have to come with a new five-year farm bill. So if we get that done, it won't be effective until the 2025 farm uh, crop year. Okay, okay. I know the overall appropriations process, from the outside looking in, it seems like it continues to be a, a little bit of a struggle. Can you talk about that appropriations process and, and where things stand there, Senator Grassley? Yeah, uh, they're having a hard time moving it in the House representatives. If it's brought up in the United States Senate, we won't have a hard time doing it. The problem is uh, some Republicans in the House representatives uh, want to go below the McCarthy-Biden agreement that was announced in January, in uh, June, when there was a threat of shutting down the government because the government couldn't borrow money. Uh, 
we've got that agreement. I think the Senate is prepared to live within that agreement, and there's some disagreement among House Republicans doing that. And so that's a major problem, but uh, we need to move the process forward. Uh, we need to take uh, uh, up the bill and the House of Representatives, pass it, uh, get it to conference between the House and Senate, and just let what we call regular order the process of working out the disagreements between the House and Senate, and and that'll be the final product. And that's what we need to do. In terms of the Farm Bill, too, I just wanted to ask you, I know you had uh, introduced Farm Bill payment limits again, and I know you originally brought that back in 2015. Uh, what are the chances the, the hard cap you proposed makes it into a new Farm Bill as we continue to discuss things and, and work to get a new Farm Bill done? Midwestern farmers support it, but Southern agriculture doesn't like it, uh, and uh, and and that's a major problem we have getting it passed. 2015, uh, you mentioned, I got it through the House and Senate, and it should have been left alone when the Farm Bill went to conference between the House and Senate, uh, but Southern agriculture was controlling both uh uh, agriculture committees at that time, and they just obliterated all the good that my amendment was to accomplish. So I'm back at it again this year and hopefully uh, get it done this year. The United States just lost a USMCA fight against Canada over dairy tariff rate quotas. A huge loss for American dairy farmer Senator Grassley. Where do we go from here? Should the U.S. look to retaliate in some way on the trade front against Canada over this issue? Yes, we should. If we can't get Canada to do what uh, the USMC said it ought to do, that would be less uh, government, uh, Canadian government involved in agriculture and making it for so difficult for American dairy to uh, uh, import or export to uh, Canada. And it was one of the major victories uh, of the USMCA. And now this uh, decision that was made, uh, we can't accept it. It needs to be retaliated against. I know a lot of folks in agriculture wish that the Biden administration would do more on the trade front, uh, opening new agreements or enforcing the ones we have, such as USMCA. Uh, do you believe the Biden administration has done enough in terms of trade. And again, I know a lot of folks in agriculture don't believe that's the case. They haven't done anything in regard to agriculture because to uh, uh, advantage American agriculture that exports about one third of its production because we don't have enough domestic uh, consumption of it. And so the prosperity of American agriculture comes from it exports, uh, and uh, they don't even want to use the words free trade. So they aren't doing any negotiating to get barriers to trade down, and that's what uh, they should be doing if you want to really benefit American agriculture. So uh, they deserve an F for any trade negotiations. I know another issue that has popped up recently, USDA has announced they will allow beef imports from Paraguay, a country with a long history of foot and mouth disease in its cattle herd. Many folks in the cattle industry here in the U.S. are upset about this decision. I, I saw late Monday uh, a few of your Senate colleagues, Senators Tester and Rounds from South Dakota, introduced a bill that would immediately halt the import of beef from Paraguay. A any thoughts on that? I, I don't know if you've, you've seen that text of that legislation <laughs> or not, but uh, any thoughts on this entire situation we have right now? Yeah. Uh, we need science-based trade, and if there's any uh, any evidence of whatsoever of getting hoof and mouth disease uh, in the United States, it would be very destructive, and we have a right to keep it out. But it should be based on science and not on the politics of it. Okay, okay. I know you have been working uh, with uh, a few of your uh, set of colleagues and uh, colleagues in the House as well on uh, extending or pushing USDA to extend the time-limited trial for new swine inspection systems. We only got extended for 30 days, though, here just uh, last week. Can you give us an update on 
What exactly is going on with that issue, and what could happen if there isn't a longer extension, Senator? Well, through letter and through uh, telephone calls and anything else we can do, maybe even including speeches on the floor of the United States Senate and House, we need to get a longer period of time. Uh, by the way, it was a three-month extension, but whether okay. it's one month or three months uh, doesn't make much difference. What we need is a permanent rule saying that these uh, 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 time, uh, the chain time, uh, as it's been speeded up here on a trial basis, uh, the uh, results show that that there's no problem for the safety of the meat and the safety of the of the workers doing it, and so we should have a permanent rule because farmers need certainty. And the reason for that is any one pig born this very day, it's it's planned to be, I don't know, it's five months or five and a half months, but it's a very short period of time. It's going to be slaughtered. And uh, this is from birth to your the fork on your table. There's a very uh, limited uh, interference that can be uh, allowed and uh, this goes way beyond that limited interference. One final thing I want to ask you about, uh, diverting a little bit away from agriculture, but I think it's related in, in many ways. We, we recently saw President Biden and President Xi of China meet. Didn't really yield anything too concrete. Yet at the same time, uh, the Biden administration, the USTR, has abandoned a long-held position at the World Trade Organization allows the free flow of information across borders, promotes open markets for digital goods exported by American creators and businesses. And I know you uh, signed on to uh, a letter, I believe, asking the Biden administration to reverse that decision. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. Uh, this is uh, very, very important to make sure that we can have the proper communication and the proper use of the internet. And uh, it's just something that's got to be uh, changed. Okay. All right. Well, Senator Grassley, uh, we do appreciate a few minutes of your time. Thanks for joining us once again on AOA. And if we don't talk to you before then, we hope you have a Merry Christmas. Thanks so much, sir. Merry Christmas to all the 86,000 farmers of Iowa. Once again, Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley joining us on AOA, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, everyday products powered locally by Cenex. Up next, we'll talk with the president of RCAF, Brett Kenzie, on the way right after this. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Every week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. Tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. This is Ernie Johnson Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles. And college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill. Or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risfet with this Market Update. Corn, beans, and wheat are higher on the day. Meal is also higher. Oil is leaking lower moderately this morning. Livestock futures are mixed with fats and feeders higher. Hogs are triple digits lower currently. Now, corn is a few pennies higher this morning as U.S. demand for corn has been picking up. Last week's export inspections of 45.6 million bushels put total shipments for the year at 27% higher from a year ago. The U.S. is the world's cheapest feed grain currently, and we should see export demand pick up in coming months as well. U.S. export sales are over 33% higher than a year ago, with much thanks to Mexico, which has accelerated their buying program. 
Mexico on Monday was reported to have bought another 267,044 metric tons of U.S. corn for 23-24. Managed money funds are still thought to be holding a large net short position in corn, which as of November 28th was 212,000 contracts and the largest since June of 2020. Beans are also a few pennies higher this morning. That's after having plunged for three consecutive days and breaking through key support at 13.25. Soybean products were higher this morning. Meal is still higher. Bean oil is lower and trying to avoid a fifth consecutive lower finish today. Rain in Brazil has been the biggest pressure on soybeans and soy products recently. But despite the wetter weather pattern, we have seen private crop analysts ratchet down Brazilian soy production estimates to as low as the mid-150 million metric ton level. That's compared to USDA's November estimates for a record large 163 million. Now on Friday, we'll get December's WASDE crop report, and traders are still expecting the USDA to revise both Brazil's soy and corn production lower to account for heat and dryness in the north and heavy rains in the south in the past few months. While the dollar is trading down slightly and crude oil prices are a bit over 1% higher this morning. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Children are the greatest joy and our best hope for a better future. Friends, they are the future. But did you know that millions of kids right here in our own backyard are facing hunger every day? Without healthy food, it's harder to grow, to thrive, to feel their best. The impact when children don't have enough to eat is tremendous because when you're hungry and your basic needs aren't being met, you cannot learn. Every child deserves to be fed. This is a problem we know how to solve. Food is not just food. It's energy, health, confidence, hope, and even love. Yes, love. Breakfast in the classroom contributes to kids being more focused, which leads to higher grades, and simply just their well-being. Thank you! Learn more about how No Kid Hungry is helping end child hunger in America at HelpNoKidHungry.org. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Joining me now on the program, the president of RCAF USA, Brett Kenzie is with us. Brett, it's great to talk with you again, sir. Hope you're doing well. Hey, thanks for having me back, Jesse. Let's dive in, and I just want to pick up where I left off a few weeks ago. Carson Jorgensen from RCAF was on with us and talked about the Protect American Lamb Project and how that sector of uh, U.S. agriculture has been hit pretty hard here in recent years. And I, I think that's a great spot for us to kind of start our conversation and talk about just the lamb industry, the cattle industry, et cetera, and just kind of protecting that side of American agriculture, Brett, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, yeah, it's been really refreshing for our calf to have these Western, the Western United States lamb producers come forward and just finally they've had enough and they're going to fight back for their industry. Uh, you know, as president of our calf, when I was a kid, we had, we had sheep, but that's been, you know, 30 years ago, probably. And so I didn't know quite what to think when, when we were approached by this group, but it was even worse than I thought. When you take into account that the inventory of sheep and producers of sheeps declined by 60% in the last few decades. And, uh, even in the face of rising lamb consumption in the United States, only 24% of it's produced in America. And uh, I guess it's just pretty sobering for those of us in the, the cattle industry to see what has happened to our sisters in the or brothers and sisters, whatever our contemporaries in the sheep industry. And it makes you wonder if it's a sign of things to come in the cattle industry. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. And uh, let's talk about that a little bit because we have plenty swirling around the cattle side of the equation and uh you know we're trying to work through the smallest herd that we've seen in in a long time if not ever on record here uh we're looking at the potential of these you know paraguayan beef imports uh, which is a big point of contention right now and and other imports of beef uh, from around the world to fill some needs etc i mean there's 
there's a lot going on right now, a lot of parallels between the lamb industry and the cattle industry, Brett. Yeah, I mean, it's it can be a lot to unpack, and, you know, we don't want to beat the problems to death because a lot of us know what the problems are, but it, it's good to get some perspective. I think with this delayed farm bill, again, it gives us a real chance to look at the role that American producers are going to play in defending their industry to provide domestic food security. Uh, like you said, cattle herd, smallest herd in 60 years. We blame the drought for all the contraction, uh, but we've had droughts before, Jesse. We've we've seen massive inflows of government money, and hey, I've taken it. But we're still contracting. You know, we, we continue to contract, so we wonder what's going on here. And as I was looking at the Tri-State Livestock News, and one of their headlines was, Beef Imports Up, Exports Down. And really, I think that's going to be, when, when you look at the reasons for that, I think it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy if we can't break this spiral and allow domestic product to really compete with issues like country of origin labeling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, another thing, my phone's been ringing off the hook since this, since the board has begun its collapse and continue to collapse and, and really be volatile the phone just does not quit ringing. And I just think that, you know, I'm, I'm not a CME expert, but I would say that what we can do, what we can do as producers is we can make this industry an industry worth betting on. And that just kind of comes back to the policies that RCAF has been pushing for so long policies like M cool policy that, will let us compete with imports, uh, the, the off act that will not end the checkoff, but will require accountability in the checkoff, packers and stockyards enforcement, strong import standards. Like I think another thing maybe that's pressure in this market, Jesse, is again, trying to make our industry one for the longs in the Merck to bet on when they see headlines like we're going to begin importing fresh meat from Paraguay, a country mm -hmm. that's been plagued with FMD problems. You know, that's a, that's a new problem we're going to confront. And you add that to the fresh beef we've already been getting from Brazil and the danger that that poses to our domestic herds in terms of terms of foot and mouth disease. I think these guys are, they might not be in a hurry to come back unless we get some things fixed. Yeah, that's a, a great, a couple great points you bring up there. And uh, staying on the topic of the cattle market in general here, uh, you know, with the board kind of collapsing and you said, you know, your phone's been ringing off the hook. What's uh, what's one of the big concerns you're hearing from producers? Is it just simply, you know, margins getting squeezed again, uh, things like that? I mean, watching you know, I know there's a little difference between cash and what's on the board right now, but still it just, you know, we saw all these record high prices and now we've lost, you know, a chunk of money in a short amount of time. So is that really just the, the one of the big concerns, I guess I would say, in terms of this board kind of collapsing on us the last week and a half, two weeks? Yeah, I mean, people have just... They've been told by the powers that be, you know, the, the establishment, in the beef industry mostly that, oh, things are really going to get good one more year, next year, things will really get good. And I think that we all want to believe that we wouldn't fill our pens and breed our cows if we didn't deep down believe that there was a future in this. And then, you know, to see it finally start getting to where maybe we could heal up a little bit from the last seven or eight years and, and maybe be able to just replace some equipment that we've been wearing out and getting by without, you know, just kind of, it, it was within our grasp, we thought, to kind of make ourselves whole. And now we have the Merck come and, and collapse down around us. I mean, thankfully, the cash markets haven't tumbled as drastically as the Merck has. But there again, that makes it hard for people. You know, the Merck, <laughs> it's always been dangerous. If you don't mm -hmm. know what you're doing, stay away from it, right? Uh, get somebody that, that knows a lot about it. But, you know, a lot of us have developed hedging strategies. And honestly, it was easier for me to buy more expensive calves in September than it is to go out today and buy in terms of getting any risk management on them. So... I, I just think people are deflated. I, I think that everybody wanted to be optimistic, 
but they had in their gut, they had a feeling that we haven't really fixed anything yet, Jesse. We've, mm-hmm. we've got to quit with so much government intervention in here just to stay alive. And again, I've taken it. I have. But we've got to realize that that's where this inflation is being driven from. And we've got to realize that, you know, these government subsidies and, and, and bailouts, they're a painkiller. They're, they're not a fix. They're a painkiller. They're just meant to get you by. And if we don't address some of these hard issues, painkillers will take you down. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's we, we, we've we've got to start having some of the hard discussions between the beef industry and the cattle industry. And, you know, our doors always open. I've always said, you know, a, a panel with the beef industry and the cattle industry to sit down and, and answer producers questions because the producers are the ones that are having the problems, you know, just over the long term, you know, the Packers maybe see some narrow spots, maybe a little red ink here and there, but the, the status quo has been that it, it's been real tough to keep a thriving mm-hmm. sustainable operation going out here in the country. Well, I think, Brett, something that maybe you could talk about a little bit here as well, whether we're looking at the farm bill discussion or MCOOL or the cattle markets, et cetera, et cetera, uh, making your voice heard, whether it be on Capitol Hill or throughout the industry, uh, that advocacy, which I know is a, a big part of RCAF USA and grassroots kind of feel, that's most important is, is reaching out and making your voice heard, isn't it, Brett? Well, it is, Jesse. I mean, we, I guess I wasn't prepared to talk about this, but we, we live in exciting times. Okay. We're, we're seeing the, the establishment in Washington, D.C. begin to split. And I'm not a fan of the drama it creates, but I'm, I'm a fan of the opportunity that it can provide because the, the overlying thrust of what needs to occur in America is we need to be able to agree on principles again. Principles like justice is blind. Laws have to be enforced. Checks and balances to rein in undue power. And, you know, if you look at a lot of RCAF's issues, a lot of the issues that face America at large, that's where we've gone astray with with concentrated power. So, I don't know. I guess I I just, I remain optimistic, Mm -hmm. but on the same note, there is no Messiah coming. <laughs> You're not going to vote for one guy that's going to go in and fix all this. It's going to mm-hmm. take an animated American people who realize that they're the ones whose futures is on the line. And you don't have to be a specialist or a wonk to take part in the issues that you understand and you know about. But boy, it's critical that they do. You know, call your congressman, tell them what you believe. You know, when you call them, be kind, realize they're not the ones that are that are injuring you, the person answering the phone. You know, be yourself, be kind, but explain the issues. And that that congressional switchboard number for anybody in the United States is 202-224-3121. And, you know, when people call, that's what gets them to answer my calls as president of the Army of RCAF USA. When when they know from the people on the street who are doing the work that there's a problem, that makes them listen to those of us in organizations that are trying to help. So whether you're a Mm -hmm. member or not, you're an American, you have something to say, you have the the right to free speech and the right to say it. And we we really need you because we do. This these are exciting times. There's, there's no doubt about it. We're as close to maybe being able to make some positive change as we've ever been. RCAFUSA.com for more information. We're up against the clock. Brett Kenzie with RCAF USA. Thanks for joining us on AOA. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks a lot, Jesse. We'll be back with more AOA brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil on the way right after this. Now. We tend not to think about now. We dream about tomorrow, relive yesterday. But sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. Victory over cancer is in front of us. Right now, cancer research is saving lives. Cancer research funded by the V Foundation is leading to new discoveries and new treatments. And ultimately, one day, victory over cancer. Give to the V Foundation. Right now, 
one out of every two men and one out of every three women will get cancer in their lifetime. Now is your moment. You may save someone you love. 100% of your donation goes directly to game-changing research. 100%. Donate at V.org. Because today's cancer research is tomorrow's victory. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. In Iraq, our truck hit a roadside bomb. I had about 16 surgeries on my hand so that I could regain function. And when I came home, I needed a new roof due to a storm. And my electrical was deemed unsafe. And I was about to lose homeowner's insurance as well. I didn't really know where to go in order to get help. And so I applied for Operation Homefront Critical Financial Assistance Program. They've really been a blessing. Operation Homefront is a safety net. A lot of veterans, they fall through the cracks sometimes. And Operation Homefront, they catch us. It's been a blessing to us. It's a blessing to other veteran families. And it's good to know that when we come home, there are people who are there that care about us and want to see us do well and want to see us succeed. And we feel it and we appreciate that. I would say you guys are angels behind closed doors. Visit OperationHomefront.org to learn more. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. Today, we're talking with Jake Niederer, a senior director of phosphate risk management with CHS, about how the fertilizer industry is changing. Jake, why is improving fertilizer efficiency vital to the industry and farmers? We've got government regulation that's requiring and mandating some of these changes. And then the other thing, too, is just from a historical perspective, farmers have always been the best stewards of the land. They've been the best environmentalists. And so as science evolves, as technology improves, they're at the forefront of wanting the solutions to make their ground the most profitable and productive as possible. Well, what are cooperatives doing to help farmers maximize their fertilizer investment? I think our place today is to work in hand in hand with these companies that are really pushing the agenda of research and developing new products, new technologies, or producing old products in new ways. We've got nitrogen production changes that are occurring to decrease the amount of carbon in that production process. And so we have a partnership with CF Industries that uh, we're very excited about. We try to utilize in our footprint nitrogen stabilizers that we have available today to help decrease the carbon footprint and to increase fertilizer efficiency. Some of those are phosphate fertilizer efficiency products as well as nitrogen stabilizers. And that's our role is to bring those forward and to make sure they're on hand for growers and that we do the right job of educating the growers of those opportunities that are out there. Well, Jake, as our listeners make crop nutrient plans for next year, what should they know about the fertilizer supply situation? Inventories in the United States, whether we're talking nitrogen fertilizers, phosphate fertilizers, are at some very low levels compared to historical normals. Production of domestic producers on the phosphate front have been down, and that's going to be a key factor that weighs on the buildup of stocks for this coming spring. Thank you for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of cooperative ownership at cooperativeownership.com. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure protection services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. Informing America's Farmers and Ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron, Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. Well, before we run out of time on today's program, I want to go back to the NAFB convention a few weeks ago in Kansas City, Missouri. A few more conversations that 
uh, we haven't heard here on the program yet. One of those was with Andrew Bailey from the National Pork Producers Council. I caught up with him on the trade talk floor at the end of trade talk at the uh, convention and talked about a few issues that the pork industry is watching on Capitol Hill. Here is that conversation with Andrew Bailey from the National Pork Producers Council. And joining me now here is we're having a conversation during the NAFB convention, wrap it up trade talk for 2023, but able to sit down with Andrew Bailey, senior policy and compliance advisor with the National Pork Producers Council. Andrew, it is uh, good to see you here and uh, catch a few minutes of your time. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for having me. Let's talk a little bit. Uh, let's start with Farm Bill. We got an extension of the 2018 Farm Bill coupled with this uh, CR to keep the government funded. Uh, still obviously want to get a new five-year farm bill done that's a that's a big key but talk about just your thoughts in general with us getting the 2018 farm bill extended yeah you know uh we're, we're pretty happy that we've got an extension to keep you know g- give us a lifeline to get this all uh all finished up you know a uh, farm bill is important not just for the pork industry but for all agriculture really all americans uh, not everyone farms but everybody eats right so uh, we're really hopeful that with this extension, Congress can, uh, you know, come back beginning of the new year and really reach consensus, uh, especially on the, the broader points, and and maybe uh, and hash out a farm bill, and, and hopefully we'll see something at the you know first quarter of the year uh, get across the finish line. And I think that's the biggest thing is that we we got the certainty to get us through the holidays, but I know the leaders of both the Senate and House Ag Committee still very much committed to getting a new five-year farm bill done. And with a presidential election year in front of us, obviously we know that's just another hurdle that can weigh on getting a new farm bill done. So I would assume the earlier the better in 2024 to get a new five-year farm bill done. Yeah, that's what we're hoping for. And, you know, there's, there's commitment from you know both sides of the aisle and, and both – in both the House and the Senate, um, and, and we're really supportive of efforts to to really just get the hard work of, of hammering it out done in the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, the legislative calendar this year didn't really agree with us. Uh, just a lot of things came up, and it's going to be tight next year. So, um, but I think we've got a really good window uh, into the winter, be going into the spring to to get this done. Well, and thinking as well about some other issues, uh, obviously we've talked a lot about Prop 12 here this year. Uh, looking at the farm bill. And maybe a legislative fix for Prop 12, as best way I could put it. What's your thoughts on on the Prop 12 situation, and maybe some legislation surrounding that? Yeah, especially with you know deadlines coming up in in California for implementation of that. We're we're really hopeful that uh, among our top priorities in the Farm Bill uh, would be a you know federal solution to this, so that uh, we can avoid the issue of a potential patchwork of states, each with differing uh, each with differing standards. Because with that patchwork of states, I mean, just thinking about what that could do to trade, you know, interstate commerce. I mean, there's there's a lot that ties into that and and farmers not knowing what they can and can't do and all that. It just creates so much uncertainty, doesn't it, Andrew? Yeah. And that's what we're looking for is, is, is certainty so that producers can know you know, what they have to do and know that that'll be the rules of the road for longer than whenever the next ballot initiative passes somewhere. I know uh, another topic, foreign animal diseases, uh, we're watching African swine fever around the world. It's not in the U.S., and we hope it stays that way, but uh, knock on wood, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of talk surrounding that, though, and traceability and biosecurity. I know you guys are, are part of working on some of that as well to help uh, with a better traceability system and, and things like that, right? Yeah, there's a lot of discussion these days on traceability, and, and, and you know, a huge part of that focus is on uh, resumption of trade, right? If, if worst case scenario, we get it and we, we lose access to those markets, we're really going to need to know where the disease is and isn't uh, to be able to to return to trade. And that's also why the Farm Bill is so important, because you know, what we call the three-legged stool of animal health, uh, that comes from the Farm Bill. Um, and those programs, the Vaccine Bank, the, the, the Disease Preparedness and Response Grants, and the, um, the Animal Health Lab Network, those are all critical to us, you know, uh, preparing for and if it worse worse comes to worse, responding to a foreign animal disease. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Andrew, uh, great thoughts. Anything else we haven't touched on uh, that you're watching with the National Pork Producers Council here as we near the end of the year? Yeah, there's just uh, you know I think I think everyone's kind of breathing a sigh of relief that we've got a, a CR going through uh, to the beginning of next year. But um, you know there's still a lot of work to be done on you know outside of Farm Bill and all these other extraordinary issues. There's just basic appropriations and getting that 
getting that sorted out. So still plenty to do in the new year. Definitely. Well, we will uh, have a conversation down the road. I have no doubt about that. Andrew Bailey with the National Pork Producers Council. Thanks for joining us here today as uh, we wrap up Trade Talk. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Jesse. And once again, that is comments with Andrew Bailey from the National Pork Producers Council who joined me at the NAFB convention in Kansas City just a few weeks ago. One news note before we wrap it up today, Senator Mike Rounds from South Dakota and multiple colleagues have introduced legislation to address federal overreach and provide regulatory certainty. The Farmers Freedom Act of 2023 would protect the definition of prior converted cropland in the Biden administration's most recent Waters of the U.S. rule. Rounds says, quote, for far too long, producers have been subject to a number of complex and burdensome WOTUS rule changes. The previous Navigable Waters Protection Rule worked to protect owners of prior converted cropland from undue regulation while providing producers with needed flexibility, end quote. He also says the legislation seeks to restore this definition of prior converted cropland and prevent further overreach on farmers and ranchers who know their land better than any D.C. bureaucrats. North Dakota Senator Kevin Kramer, one of the co-sponsors, says landowners need more freedom to use their land as they see fit without excessive and burdensome environmental regulations. Kramer added, quote, producers are always the best land caretakers. All right, we are about out of time here on AOA today, brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel, fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Coming up tomorrow, we got a busy show once again. We're going to be joined by Leah Biondo, Director of Advocacy for the Rural and Agriculture Council of America. They are among many groups advocating for critical tax provisions to be extended. We're going to learn more about that. We're going to have a conversation with Corey Rosenbush from the Fertilizer Institute. And also, it is the December episode of the Monthly Grind with the National Corn Growers Association. And we're going to learn more about the Ag to Asphalt campaign with Like a Farmer's Patrick Spinoza. It's a division of Ag America. All that and more coming up on tomorrow's AOA. Thank you for joining us here today. That would make it as part of your day. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Every day, our brave military men and women, along with their families, make tremendous sacrifices for our freedom. Patriotic Hearts, a nonprofit organization, is dedicated to supporting these heroes and their families in their times of need. By donating your unwanted car to Patriotic Hearts, you'll be supporting job transition and job fair programs, veteran entrepreneurship, counseling, and retreats for combat veterans and their spouses. Call 800-560-3870. You'll receive a tax deduction and we'll arrange a free pickup at your convenience. Imagine the difference you can make in the lives of those who have given so much for our country. Your car donation will directly impact military families, veterans, providing them with the support they desperately need. Call 800-560-3870. You can become a part of something bigger. Join us in our mission to uplift and honor our military community. Call 800-560-3870 to donate your unwanted card. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A Teenager. Learning the Lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council.